Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's the show that's still fuming about that line of duty finale, five days on. On today's pod, we're looking ahead to tomorrow's tea time clash with a revived Chelsea and also asking the question, why does nobody care about little old City? We'll also be asking, if nobody cares about City, why do Liverpool and United fans have to tell us repeatedly that they don't care about us? And why do they presume that we care that they don't care, especially when they very clearly do care a great deal? Lastly, we're touching back on Tuesday's bossing of PSG. Despite having already done numerous pods on the, on the game this week, we make no apologies for that. It was ace. To discuss all this, I'm delighted to be joined by two of my very favourite people in this big wide world. It's Ali and Harry. Hi Ali, you well mate? I am, thank you. Yep, I uh, had my second jab yesterday. Wow. So, uh, I feel like I've got nice. a, a small block of cement shoved into my shoulder. But uh, other than that, and, and the occasional um, habit of whistling the Microsoft Windows startup theme every time I open my eyes, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, so is that when you had the first jab, was there any side effects? Or was it what you said? Yeah, well, every time I walked past the microwave, it went ping, you know? <laughs> But no, no, I've, I've been fine. I'm, I, uh, I've, I've been reading uh, various theories about people who uh, have the most extreme reaction to the, uh, oh, uh, the right. vaccine are the ones that have got the healthiest immune system, which makes me think I'm basically fucked. But, well, yeah, <laughs> but so far, I'm, right. I'm good. <laughs> that means I'll be all right. I'm getting mine next week. So, um, uh, Good luck with it. Harry, are you well? Yes, I'm well, mate. Watching the absolute... Dross yesterday makes me appreciate even more what, what what we've got over here. If I'm being completely honest, the dross meaning what United? Uh, no, I don't watch United because it makes me feel <laughs> sick. So I watched Arsenal, but I, I think I'd have got more enjoyment out of practically anything else in life yeah. other than watching that game yesterday. It, it was, was dismal. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I felt I, for I, Arsenal fans honestly that it was absolute yep. dross. I, I listened to much of the first half in the bath. And they were panning Arsenal. And I thought, well, I'm going to watch the second half now because they, they can't be as bad as what they're saying. Oh, they were. <laughs> they were yeah. um, before we get into today's pod, we've got to look back on the PSG game. Um, what a night that was. Uh, what a performance that was as well. Mm. It felt like a complete performance. Um, Harry, what did watching it as a fan, as a blue, what did it mean to you? Obviously, I'm um, I'm a lot younger than than maybe maybe everyone else. So yeah, it's never mind of, reminding us either. Did you? Yeah, I didn't want to be that person. You know what I mean? But um, I don't know. It was weird. It was like the stages of the game. It was like it was a proper mint celebration for the first goal. But it was almost just a like when the second goal went in. It was almost a shock. It was like mm. oh my god, like we've we've done it. You know, yeah. I I don't know what stage even the most pessimistic of fans knew we were through. But for me, it was that that second goal, and it was the even like it it was a, like a such a miniature celebration. It's like, oh my God, like, this is it. Like, it's such an alien feeling because we've never been here before. It was like, what, what happens now? Um, but yeah, just in terms of the performance, it was just absolutely faultless. I was I was completely and utterly ready to give Alexander Zinchenko the keys to Manchester after 35 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I could have done it for any of the 11 players. Everyone on that pitch that night was an absolute credit to, to Manchester City and... I just hope for their sake with, you know, with all the, the work they've put in and the performance they've put in, especially in the Champions League, because th- don't forget, we've we've won both legs of every single knockout yeah. tie so far, haven't we? Like, we, we, it's not like we've scraped through and away goals like teams have done against us in the past. We've completely and utterly battered every single team we've come against. So I'm hoping for their sake 
that um, that they can they can get the job done in, in Istanbul or wherever it is. And um, Ali, if that performance that we witnessed on Tuesday had been performed in the Burnabout, um, was it 2016-17? Um, and we'd gone ahead and won the Champions League, it obviously would have felt amazing. But does it feel all the sweeter having had so many near misses, had so many kind of cruel kind of um, streaks of fate against us, such as against Tottenham? Um, and then we saw the underwhelming performance last year and the weird lineup against Leon. So did, did it make it all the sweeter seeing City at their very best when it really mattered? Yeah, I don't know about all the sweeter because uh, I think it would have felt just about perfect whenever it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair um, point. Uh, but but I, I I guess um, the, the the longer the struggle went on, uh, the more satisfying it, it feels to actually get there in the end. Um, I mean, I, I it it took me a long time to really get my head around how good we were on Tuesday night. I'm not sure if we still have. I'm I'm still kind of absorbing it. I went back and, and watched the full match next day. Uh, on a recording uh, and kind of tried to appreciate it more. Um, and I, I kept getting sort of distracted. My attention would, would just kind of drift on on um, details. Mm. And it was only when you got to the end. And you think that when we went into these two-leg ties, uh, the, the, the two legs against PSG, um, I assumed, I thought we would probably win. I thought we were, you know, slight favourites to win it. Um, but I thought there would be a lot of goals. I thought there was no way we could keep them out for, for you know, extended periods of time. They would get goals against us, and our best hope was that we would score more than they would uh, on the basis that their defence is not as good as ours. Um, we went through the uh, first half of the first leg, and they had four shots in target, and then none in the second half, <laughs> and then two halves on uh, Tuesday night against PSG with Neymar and Di Maria. Never mind the lad who wasn't there. Um, they've got Neymar and Di Maria, who are two of the most terrifying forwards in world football, and they had not one single shot on target. Uh, and that is just incredible. I, I don't know how we did that. Um, I, I don't think there's really any team that I've ever seen or, or studied closely uh, that is, is quite organised and, and accomplished and strong enough. Um, to, to to put in that defensive performance and to come from uh, a Pep Guardiola Manchester City team, who are of course you know famous for their attacking, flowing, open football, mm. um, it, it's quite remarkable. And and I am still quite you know struggling to get my head around just how impressive it was. Uh, one of the things I've I've said a few times, I think either on this pod or or in other places, um, is I think the best uh, Manchester City performance of this era of the Pep Guardiola uh, era that I've seen was a couple of years ago when we went to Chelsea and we won just 1-0 with a Kevin De Bruyne goal. Yeah. But we absolutely throttled the life out of that game. We never gave them a sniff. We kept absolute control from the first minute until the 90th or 94th or whatever it was. Um, and just we had it, we had them in our pocket all the way. And that was our most impressive performance until Tuesday night. Um, and you know, forget about some of the most you know, glamorous and spectacular games we've played, where we've scored you know five, six, seven, eight wonderful goals at, you know, against Stoke or Watford or whoever it might be. Yeah. Um, but I have never seen a City performance that was as impressive and monumental as that one on Tuesday night. It, I think we we uh, ascended to an entirely new level. Uh, one that even I didn't really believe we were we were capable of. It was it was a remarkable performance. Oh, well said, man. Well said. And um, Harry, 
having reached the Champions League final now, 90 minutes away, or possibly extra time or pens, of course, from winning it. Now, as a City fan, obviously it's going to mean the world to win the Champions League. Is it also a consideration that we could put to bed this kind of trope that, you know, perhaps time in England won't be a complete success unless he went to Champions League to shut the commentators up, the co-commentators. I mean, it shouldn't matter. And I try and kid myself that it doesn't matter. And all that matters is how I feel as a fan towards my football team. But Mm. is it a consideration? It's the the, the two sides of it is the the fans' view and the media's view in it. Because always in our view, his time here is if he left today would be a success, you know, it's, it inclu- including this season, because, you know, even if we do end up getting beat in the final, it will hurt significantly because you've got to a final, you've done all that work and you've got beaten, you know, anything can happen over 90 minutes, but I'm sure in two months time you come to it and you, we've won a, a league title and a, and a domestic cup. It's still a really, really good season. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I want to win it most of all for, for Pep, because just for the ability for him to, to take the trophy, bring it into the press conference room and just slap it down on the table. And be like, you know, sort of question me now. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. Because I, what, I, what, but it will not stop. Even if we win the Champions League, yeah. it, we'll, we'll be told that we're not a great ch- team until we've won back-to-back Champions Leagues or something like that. There's City, a, a, their own worst enemy and Pep Guardiola is his own worst enemy because they just set the bar higher and higher and higher and higher every single year. So the media are putting more and more pressure on him to win this Champions League but in the, the eyes of the fans he will always have been City's best ever manager in my eyes anyway well I mean it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we could win a Champions League Pep could walk in with a trophy bang on the table as you said and then Rob Harris might pipe up with oh yeah. we had any backhanders from the owners for winning that <laughs> <laughs> Yep, We're never exactly. going to win in that regard, are we? So, yep. no. Which kind of brings us to the to the first point, really, because um, according to Twitter and people you meet down the pub as well, no one cares about City, which is fine. Don't care about City. You know, I don't care about your club, but why do you keep banging on about it so much? Um, Ali, do you see this on Twitter? Do you see Liverpool fans, United fans? I mean, others too, but particularly those two fan bases always trying to, I think that their intention is to try and belittle City, but it has zero impact on me personally. Um, do, you, do you see that? Yeah, it's like getting uh, caught in some surreal Catherine Tate sketch, isn't it? <laughs> bothered. I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. Bothered? Who? Bothered? Uh, and yeah, <laughs> I, 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 somebody spontaneously, I, I, I tweeted something very uh, um, inoffensive and, and unremarkable about City the other night, and a Liverpool fan um, replied to me with an angry tweet that, uh, in the middle of it, said, of course, I don't care if City win, but... <laughs> and it, it's put in all the time. And, yeah, there's an awful lot of people putting an awful lot of energy into not caring. Um, and I, I, I find it quite funny. It, it is objectively funny. But I think the um, the explanation for it is that, um, yeah, there are... All clubs around us, all, all our rivals, have got long-standing bitter uh, rivalries with other clubs. Yeah. Um, I care less when Chelsea or even Liverpool, even today, uh, win a title or win a cup than when United do, um, because I'm, I'm more bothered when, when United win stuff. And I'm sure Leeds fans are much more bothered when uh, United win something than when... Arsenal do, and you know we've all got local rivalries. Ali, what, um, what you're basically saying, because the same would apply for Liverpool, is we all hate Manchester United. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that is I, exactly I, it. I, I kind of am saying that, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, if, if the worst these people have got to... Th- I mean, it's actually not the worst they've got to throw at us, and we'll probably come to that later. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, if um, the only thing, or the first thing these people want to throw at us is like, you know, I don't hate you as much as I hate another club. Like, well, okay. <laughs> I don't feel particularly owned by that. Yeah, um, yeah and and uh, it's a product of where we are and where we've come from. And that uh, you know, uh, at least in the uh, in the modern era, our success is you know less than ten years old. Um, and so you know, people don't have these long-standing bitter feuds and rivalries that that permeate football. Um, Give it another 10 years and you'll have whole generations of United fans and Liverpool fans huh. that have grown up in the shadow of, of City. Um, and those you know kids who are now in primary school, um, by the time they're on the terraces, they will loathe us with a vengeance <laughs> and nothing will matter more to them than City losing. And they will cheer for anyone but City. And, you know, all of that will come. Uh, we're just kind of, we're, we're a, a, a couple of, uh, a couple of turns in the roller coaster away from that yet, and, and yeah, so what? I'm fine with it. Yeah, well, is it also a product though of social media? Because I, I, I'm old enough to, and I, I think the thing is, is true of you, Ali, where we can remember kind of Nottingham Forest and everyone hating Nottingham yeah. Forest, <laughs> uh, and there's no kind of historical reason for that. It was because they were at the top of the game, but back then that felt normal, you know. Whereas now. I guess we're the modern incarnation of Nottingham Forest, and yet everyone's reaction is, "Oh, we don't care about you," and and they wouldn't sing songs about us. And it's kind of it comes down to social media. Is that right, Harry? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, when I see people try to be flipping on social media, and I get it all the time, and when when they end the tweet with "Hope this helps" or or something like that, and they're essentially just kind of trying to be oh, patronising, and uh, it's just an equivalent of that, isn't it? That's why I stay away from these things, honestly. But I do think it's a, a global fan type of thing, to be honest, because I know a lot of people around where I live who are v- not very happy of City sort of <laughs> um, yeah. And again, these lot lads can never make their mind up. Like, for example, I don't know, it's only going well because we've spent a billion, um, but then players are only good because they've got Guardiola. It's just like, make your mind up, lads. I'd honestly challenge any of you and anyone anyone listening to to find a tweet where like a neutral page journalist, etc., is praising City. There's not at least one comment about us being funded by a yeah. state. It's easy when you've spent a billion pounds and stuff like that. It's, it's quite a funny exercise, to be fair. Um, but I think you've, yeah, you think you've got to only realise that City's domination has come at a time where social media is booming. Um, so people write these sort of tweets that are not really their opinions. They do it for clicks, but this has stemmed from not just them, but journalists doing this too. Yeah. You know, it's to get clicks for journalists. It was was very. It wasn't going to get many clicks when City won the domestic treble to to talk about how great City were. Was it? It was going to take you know Rob Harris asking Pep Guardiola if he'd been given backhanders to win them. The treble mm. to uh to, to gain clicks so fans take after these sort of journalist ways of doing stuff yeah sadly i think that's right and i i, I can't see that changing anytime soon but i can see it changing in the future as you say ali in, in 10 years time um if if city dominance is all that someone's known then we are going to be the big bad wolf aren't we yeah uh, so i i guess i do hope so yeah i, I hope so too it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good to be hated it's um legitimizes your success to an extent in this kind of modern world this embittered world that we live in um let's turn to this weekend's game chelsea uh, i've talked up chelsea quite a lot recently i i've, I've been 
properly impressed with what they've done on the Tuchel. Um, but we, actually, before we get into that, I've just remembered something, Ali. Um, an article I wrote this week on Chelsea, I needed a quote from a former player, and I approached three, and I didn't get a response from any three. So I approached a fourth, and he said, phone me, and we had a chat for 20 minutes. Can, Can I make, make a guess? Yeah, go on. Was it Jody Morris? No. <laughs> Oh, no. The reason I'm asking you is because I know he's, he's your what, one of your favourite players. It was Pat Nevin. Oh, Pat! Wow! Oh, that's no, even better than Jody Morris. What it's just because Jody Morris went and became a St. Johnson legend after. Oh, after, of course, uh, of course. Uh, Chelsea, love... which is why. Yes. Um, but but no, Pat Nevin is an even better. Uh, he uh, was sound a gentleman. I'm chuffed for you. Yeah, he always lovely. is. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I what, put did it up he, on, what did he say? Um, he just said that it's going to be too soon next year for Chelsea to challenge City because the there's still a deficit in the squad quality. He said particularly in the second 11 rather than the first 11. Um, and over the course of the season, that's going to tell. Um, but he thinks that, you know, in two years' time, certainly he can see Chelsea and City having a, a real kind of um, duopoly. So, yeah, and, and then we just had a little chat. And he was just a gentleman. And I put it up on Facebook as well. And another writer said... Um, Pat is the guy that everyone goes to if you need a quote because he's so so accommodating. He's, he's, a, yeah. he's a dude. Anyway, sorry, I, that was um, a digression. So Chelsea, it was a very welcome digression. Well, yes. always here for some Pat Nevin content. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, Harry, are you expecting Pep to rest some key players for this one, like he did for the FA Cup semi final? Um, and if so, does that concern you? Um, I think it'll be a mixture. Um, but the players on the bench have now got to be looking at these next five games and saying, how do I get into the yes, Pep's final yeah. plans? Which is, I mean, I think every sort of fan would agree that the 11 that played on Tuesday deserved to start in the final mm. um, because of just how great the performance we've already said they put in. So it's, I mean, you look at that back line, and especially the four in the back line, the performance they put in, Laporte and Cancelo and etc. Must we look at that like, how on earth do I get in this, yeah. this side? But we've got to see that sort of urgency from the likes of Cancelo, Rodri, Sterling as well to kind of give Pep a selection headache. But one thing you've got to remember is that Pep has got to balance keeping these key players rested and not risking injury, but keeping them fit and sort of well-worked so they're, they're still in the in the swing of things for the final. So uh, I, this weekend is a difficult one because obviously the temptation is to, to go full strength, get it over and done with and... And then you can start with your, your sort of resting policy once the, the league's wrapped up. But I don't know. I feel like Pep trusts his, his second eleven a lot, um, especially after you know the, the weekend's result against Palace. Um, he, he seemed very to speak very glowingly after after it about you know the likes of Aguero and Torres and Mendy etc. Who all had really good games that day. Um, so I could I could see a few of them coming back in, um, but not as rotated as Palace. I'd say I'd say there'd still be a few of the the main lot like Diaz, De Bruyne, I'd, I'd expect to, to be in there at some stage. Yeah, no, I think that's all fair. And, and I think it is going to be really interesting how he balances it all out in the next five mm. games. Um, because as you said, it's equally as important to keep the pl- players, his starting 11, you know, what he has in mind for the Champions League final. You know, he needs them to be kind of fresh and kind of match fit. And, and so it's, it's going to be a difficult one to kind of balance out. Um, Ali, can you see kind of, you know, Cancelo right back, Mendy left back, Front three, maybe a Sterling, Jesus, and Torres. Um, or do you think it'll be it'll towards more towards having a, a stronger team, shall we say, with, with the intention of just getting the job done? 
What I hope he does is the latter. I, I cannot express how badly I want us to win and win well on Saturday. I think it's incredibly important for lots of reasons. Um, uh, so, you know, what I hope is that Pep picks the, the best possible team to win that game on Saturday, which might involve some changes. Um, but we need to win it, first of all, because we need to wrap up the title and, and to do it in quite a, a big showpiece tie at the Etihad um, at quite a good time, 5.30 and not 12.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that stuff would be very satisfying. It, it would be fabulous to win the league tomorrow. Um, and that would, would get us out of the way. It would then allow us to use the next three weeks to keep our first choice 11 or, or whatever. Pep's first choice 11 as close to being perfect balance of match fitness and um, yeah, injury-free uh, and rested. That, you know, the, all of the things you kind of trying to balance in, in keeping players at their peak. Um, but much more importantly, I think the, the, the psychological battle, um, I'm conscious that we have never beaten Tuchel's Chelsea yet. Mm. Um, we've never proven, we've never proven that we can do it. Um, we've never proven to them that we can do it, which I think is really important. Um, if we could, you know, throttle them the way we did PSG, uh, and leave them going into their dressing room, uh, Twenty past seven on Saturday night, thinking, "How the hell do we beat this lot?" Um, then that's a huge accomplishment, and and will stand us in very good stead when it comes to the final. Um, now, in terms of the actual team we pick, I uh, really want us to play the players that uh, kind of almost invariably bring us victory. Um, that is Diaz, De Bruyne. Phil Foden, mm. Bernardo. Um, I, 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 I said something on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, a little bit of a digression, but I, I went through the uh, starting lineups and results back to the beginning of not this season, but last season, so the beginning of uh, 1920. Um, I cannot find uh, a single game that both Bernardo and Foden started <laughs> and that we lost. Yeah. Um, wow. We, uh, I, I don't know how many there have been, so I'm not quite sad enough to actually count through like all the all the games they did start together. Um, but you know, particularly since uh, January this year, there was a lot of them. That whole that whole run of games, um, January, February, March this year, Foden and Bernardo started most of them together. Um, I think the only time we've ever drawn a game that both Bernardo and Foden started was the dead rubber against Porto in the Champions League when we were all already top of the group, yeah. and it was a nil nil. Um, every other game we've both started both of them we've won and I would like to keep that you know that's not coincidence I would like to keep that running um, along the way while I was working that out I also had to look at Phil Foden's uh, stats and from what I can tell um, if we include uh, the game on Tuesday Phil Foden has now started 65 games for Manchester City um, he has uh, won 61 <laughs> Drawn three, Jeez. lost one. The the Leicester game is the only game Phil Foden's ever started for City that we've lost. Um, if anyone wants to prove me wrong in that, go back and, and, and I would like to be I would like to be correct before I tell everyone else this. Um, if it's not true, it's somewhere very very close to being to being those numbers. Um, he's got a phenomenal record, and and yeah, I, I just wanted to get that <laughs> pick Phil Foden every week. I know this is the uh, the, mm. the perennial chant of uh, of City fans, but yeah, we are so much better with him in the pitch. Um, so yeah, um, I'm kind of happy if. Uh, 
obviously, I think Rodri coming in for Fernandinho with nailed on. That yeah. will happen. Um, I'm quite happy if uh, Cancelo comes on and plays for you know, either gives Kyle or, or Vincenco a rest and plays one or other. Um, I would, I'd, I'd, my heart would sink a little bit if Mendy started, but he was really good last last week. Um, so it wouldn't be the end. You know, it wouldn't be the end of the world if he did. Uh, but what I hope is that um, Pep makes two or three changes, not four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Um, because I, I really do want us to win this game, and there's no doubt there's there's a certain point where you rotate too much, and we do lose the um, the power. And even even to the point of um, if we win the game. And Chelsea can go can go away thinking, well, at least we won't face that team again. You know, <laughs> I, I want them to be finishing going back into their changing room on a, on Saturday night, thinking, damn, we're going to be facing that lot again in three weeks' time, and they're going to murder us again. That's that's the um, mindset that I want us to leave Chelsea with at the end of tomorrow. Um, yeah, they, if we do they, that, I'll, if we do that, I'll be happy. There's no doubt Chelsea are going to go strong though as well because you know if they don't win the Champions League final they've got to finish inside the top four. So yeah. absolutely, sorry Harry, that that was another point I wanted to make. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I want them to be under the most pressure they possibly can for their huge, yes. busy, incredibly demanding schedule over the next three weeks. Okay, it's good, good their running is horrific. Yeah. <laughs> they've, got, they've not only got an FA Cup final, but they they play just about all the other top teams in the last four weeks. I can't remember who they are, but it, it's an absolute shocker of a run in the one. And, and yeah, um, I make no apologies for saying I would like them to be both physically and mentally exhausted by the time we get to the 29th of May. Well, Harry, I mean, that's a good point there about a kind of psychological advantage we can gain as well with, with a win. And of course, reverse is true if we lose. Um, what worries me is, is that Chelsea, how well disciplined they are, how well organised they are, how yeah. difficult they are to break down. If you look over Tuchel's entire time at, City, uh, at Chelsea, sorry, and, you know, factor in a 5-2 loss against West Brom in there, mm. they have conceded a goal every three and a half hours, which is unbelievable. Yeah. So... We're going to need, basically, the energy of Phil Foden, the kind of energy of Bernardo Silva, the ingenuity of the kind of um, our, our kind of most informed strikers, aren't we? I mean, we can't just get away with putting in... This, you know, I hate the term, and it doesn't really truly apply to them, but we can't get away with chucking in our second string here, can we? No, no, absolutely not. I think Chelsea show a lot of similarities to City in the, in, in the way they defend, because... You know, they, they they like to commit bodies forward on, on a sort of counter-attack. I think Chelsea probably even better with the pace they've got on the counter-attack, but defensively they, they get numbers back and mm. they all work hard, even the, even the front line. And I, I, I can't tell you how much I've, I sort of highly rated Tuchel when he come in and he's sort of vindicating it now with the performance he's got in such a short amount of time. It's no surprise to me that players that have needed a little bit of man management that have not got it from a sort of inexperienced manager like Lampard are playing in the preferred positions now and are starting to flourish. Mm. Um, N'Golo Kante in particular, I mean, oh my God, over them two legs, he was absolutely phenomenal and he's going to be a massive problem for Sitter. Um, he's got Kai Havertz working really hard and he's showing a bit more quality now. Timo Werner's actually scored, even though when that ball was dropping to him off the crossbar yesterday, I was thinking, how could he possibly <laughs> miss this? I was thinking, you know, which way he could miss this? But no, um, we've got we've got to have loads of energy um, because they're going to have numbers back. But we've also got to be wary of not being too slack on the ball because, you know, the, the, the pace they possess in attack is, is devastating. And as, as they've shown in... In the semi-final, they they can take the game away from you in a sort of an instant. Yeah, I mean, I'm, they are a, a, a fantastic 
and well put together team right now with, yeah. with some t- absolute top quality players. But contrasting that, we're also pretty handy. <laughs> and, yeah, not bad. And, and a win will make us league champions. Um, I've I've put in the note that I've seen better champions in my lifetime than this current City team. What I mean by that, I'm not kind of disparaging this City team whatsoever. I'm just saying I've seen some truly great champions of which I'll include, you know, the 1819 City side. Um, this City team, I believe, slightly under that because of the poor start that we had. And yet, that kind of makes them quite unique, doesn't it, Ali? Because I have never before seen a remarkable turnaround in fortunes like this from an eventual champions. Um, I've never seen them where, for the first third of the season, they're, you know, 6 out of 10, and suddenly they're 10 out of 10 from there on in. Um how remarkable has this turnaround been? It's been astonishing. I, I quite agree with you. I mean, I think the only the, the only ones I can remember, uh, I haven't looked up the the numbers. I don't know how they how they compare mm. statistically, but I remember uh, Ferguson of United a couple of times in the nineties had absolutely terrible starts. That's a good shout. Yeah, yeah. Had yeah. Way behind in January and and kind of pulled back ten point deficits or whatever. But I would be surprised if the turnaround in terms of yeah, how many points he dropped in the first half of the season, how many they picked up in the second. Um, I think we probably outstripped that. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was actually, I was, I was chatting to some uh, somebody about this just the other day. And I think um, there are really two quite distinct factors here. One is just how good, um, just how good City became after Christmas, New Year, um, the, the levels we reached. But also we... Um, just how bad we were in the autumn. Let's, yeah, let's not yes. um, uh, let's not gloss over that. Um, we were absolutely dog shit for a while. <laughs> and uh, you know, the, some of the points we dropped, some of the the the, the nil nil against United was in that was more of a low point, I think, even than the five two against Leicester, which was a, a kind of freak game in in many ways. Um, but it just it all looked like. The problems we'd had in uh, the nineteen twenty season hadn't. It's not just that they'd gone away; they'd got worse. You know, yeah. like every, every every complaint we'd had about City lacking energy and, and dynamism, um, every complaint about Phil Foden not starting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I remember doing a couple of uh, of ninety three twenties back in kind of November December, um, and this. Oh, okay, I'm about to say that that you know the. The gang of us here in ninety three twenty obviously know much more about football management than Pep Guardiola did. Because because yeah. what, yeah. what we were saying is, you know, first of all, we need to pick Bernardo, pick Phil Foden, um, run about more, chase the ball, <laughs> like, put put some bloody effort in, uh, stop turning around and, and passing the ball back to to Rodri you know, every every time you're in a dangerous position. Um, and lo and behold, obviously Pep tuned into some of these podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Because sometime round about Christmas, they started doing exactly that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm being slightly less tongue-in-cheek about it, um, we should probably give enormous credit to uh, Josep Guardiola. Yeah, um, Because one of the things he said is that this is a long season, and if these players run around like blue-arse flies from September through to uh, May-June... Yeah they will be dead on their feet by the end of it and we will not win anything. That was his argument. Um, and he may well have been proved right. That actually one of the reasons we've been so much better in the second half of the season um, is actually because he rotated much more than he apparently should have done. Um, he didn't play 
the players like Foden who were just running their arses off and, and you know, running themselves into the ground often to not huge amount of purpose. Um, and we just have to face up to the fact that he got it right. So it might be that, that the, the two, the two sides of the coin are, of course, connected that actually the reason we were so good in the second half of the season is at least in part the same reasons as we were actually really quite poor in the first half because we did actually play within ourselves. We did um, exercise restraint and patience and Pep, uh, that's certainly not true of the fans, but Pep did not panic when we were 14th in the league in the middle of December, whatever it was. Um, and he knew it would come right and he knew that these players had it in him and if he planned out their energy conservation and their uh, peak fitness, peak performance, it would all come good in the end. And oh, what can I say, Pep? You know about, about football. <sighs> well, I've got to say very, very reluctantly as well, I've got to give some praise to uh, Mr. Howard Hocking because he was he said this throughout that kind of... He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, every pod I did with him, he'd say, well, just kind of let's just wait and see because, you know, we're conserving energy. It's a long season. And, and he's been proven to be... Absolutely bang on. Um, Harry, when we look back at that time, um, the kind of 1-1 and, and the kind of 0-0 against United and obviously the lesser defeat, could you have envisaged any of this? W- w- was it kind of, was it beyond your scope? Did you, did you did you think that basically, um, as Ali kind of alluded to there, that we were just getting worse from the previous season and, and it stood to, stood to reason really that that was going to continue? I don't want to be like a, a prophet claims to be like some sort of prophet. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I've never, I would never like as much as you know the derby. The derby was, I think you're right, was was a low point because it's just like it's a derby. Like you don't get what it means to be in a derby. That's what it felt like. Yeah. But this, I think that the most impressive thing for me is that the attitude switch up because there's there's always been quality in the squad. You know, we've there's no doubt that we've got one of the best squads in um, in Europe. Uh, the switch up from since November has been extraordinary. I mean, all the stuff about, you know, that came out last week about Fernandinho and what he did in that time in terms of sitting him down yes. and reminding them yeah. what it means to 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 be a Manchester City player just makes me, you know, adore the lad that a little bit more. Um, and I think he, as a captain, you know, we've give credit to, to Vincent for, for a lot of stuff in the past and his leadership, but Fernandinho has really took that mantle well this season. I think he deserves a large chunk of the credit and, for me, such a worthy captain to, to lift the trophy as well. Yeah, bang on, mate. I was going to ask about any individuals that stood out and, and he would have been my choice too. Um, talking of kind of individuals, um, with Chelsea coming ahead this weekend, Ali, if you could pick one Chelsea player kind of on a free transfer to City, who, who would you plump for? Well, Harry nailed it five minutes ago. Uh, N'Golo Kante is a phenomenal yeah. player. Yeah. Um, and and it kind of, I'm I'm... I like him enough as a as a as a person as a man um, that I can sort of enjoy his resurgence under um, Tuchel because uh, he was I think playing below his mm. uh, potential for quite a long time at Chelsea, almost since he began at Chelsea, um, and for the last couple of months he's he's looked like the player they bought from Leicester again, um, who I really I'll say I, I wanted to be our Fernandinho replacement at the time I would. At the um, at the time we were buying Mares, I was saying I wish we were buying. <laughs> I wish we'd bought Canty instead. Um, uh, he's uh, he's he's dangerous. He, his energy and his sense of the game is like no one else's. Um, and he's like a he's like a, a little Fernandinho, and he's just everywhere, 
um, doing all sorts of things that that no one player should be able to do in the same pitch at the same time. Um, you know, back winning tackles in, in his own penalty box, charging through and setting up goals at the other end. Uh, he's he's a remarkable player, and, and you know, just as Harry said a little while ago, uh, he honestly worries me a lot for the final coming up in in three weeks' time. Um, Harry, I've got a bit of a, a slant on that question for you. Um, hmm. Let's say Timo Werner was offered to City for free. Would you be? I mean, obviously Ooh. you'd take him, but, but would you be happy to take him? Um, wow. Um, I'd say yes. Yeah, it's um, phenomenal he, in Germany. Right? Yeah, I think he could. I think he, you know, in terms of, you know, we talk about Haaland and Kane. I think this. This got it. There's gonna be a point. I'm telling you where he explodes, and I, yeah. I'm telling you that because I have absolutely trusted him in my fantasy team this whole season. <laughs> firing, like, I've put more trust in him than Frank Lampard did. I'm telling you now. Um, but this, this, this. You don't. You're not. You don't score that many goals in Germany, and and you, you know Muck. You know what I mean? He's he's definitely a a really good player. It's just maybe he's purely like Raz in the fact that he's confidence what yeah. if you know he, he scores a couple one day and that's it he explodes I'm just waiting for that day I feel like he will so if, if he was offered to City yes I would take him because he he wouldn't be a more expensive option than than Holland and Kane you'd feel uh, but you know he's he's got a good energy about him I think he'd be good for Pep because he's good at pressing off the front he, he, he's got he doesn't let the defenders sort of get a moment's rest um, and, and once he sort of fine tunes his, his sort of finishing, he, he's going to be such a devastating player for Chelsea, which is all the talk. He was always going to be in the spotlight this season because he's, he's sort of Chelsea's main man. Um, and, you know, the I think Lampard lays hat on him. And, you know, after all the, the good form Abraham had shown and Abraham has kind of been shunted out. And then they got to a point where Giroud was the main man for Chelsea. So they're trying to find that that one man that will score them the, the sort of Didier Drogba 25, 30 goals a season. Hmm. Um, and I think he will be at, at some point, whether it's next season he starts to come good or the season after. Um, I do think he's he, he will be a terrific player, in my opinion, anyway. Well, I mean, you mentioned Abraham there. He's been punted around for 40 million. I'm not suggesting him for City, but he's, he'd do a cracking job for someone like an Everton in the Premier League. 100%. 40 million pounds. I mean, you know... It's still a lot of money, of course it is, but I think he, the ceiling that he has, Tammy Abraham, where he could be, you know, kind of Kane's understudy for the next kind of five years, going on to become England's number nine himself for yeah. the next five years, that's, that's a bargain, really. He doesn't time. he doesn't play uh, for Chelsea much at all, and I think I think one of the only games he's played this this season was an FA Cup game. He scored an hat trick. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> still got yeah. Um, okay, we're looking ahead to the Champions League final itself. Um, May the 29th, of course, going on in Istanbul, and yet it's got two English teams um, with all the COVID complications. And you know, when you, when you start reading into it, it's like, why on earth isn't this being played in England? Um, my question to you, Ali, will it be played in England? Will common sense prevail? What I said on Twitter uh, the night of the Chelsea game was um, that given the pandemic and uh, travel restrictions, and the need or the, the the desire to have a proper crowd at a football game, uh, UEFA would have to be complete blithering idiots to not relocate the game. And of course, that's why it will be played in Istanbul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It will be. Uh, having, having, having then thought about it a bit more uh, and considered it, um, 
I mean, they're, they're now talking about maybe getting a couple of thousand fans from, from each club to get over, which may make a huge difference if they can. Um, I think I'm, I'm already just a little bit disappointed that uh, when City finally get to a Champions League final, we're playing against Chelsea and not Real Madrid or Bayern Munich or, or you yeah. know, one of the glamour European teams, just because that's it feels like that's what a European Cup final sh- uh, should be to me. Um, I think if it was also to be played at Villa Park, <laughs> um, <laughs> then it would it would suck a whole other layer of of, uh, of glamour and, and adventure. Yeah, and the empty Villa Park as well. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, at least you know, Istanbul, uh, uh, despite the fact that it's that lot down the road, um, there's something about a final in Istanbul that's got a certain uh, ring to it, you know. There have been one or two good matches in Istanbul yeah. before. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, so, uh, so yeah. I kind of the, the more I've thought about it, actually, yeah, I, I really hope they can get some fans over safely, obviously, and and I hope, uh, yeah, I, whichever city fans are lucky enough to be able to get there, have an amazing time. It would be devastating if it was played in front of an empty stadium, and and if we went all the way to Istanbul. To, to do that yeah. um, but you know if we can get a bit of a crowd over there uh, I'm kind of okay with it not being um, obviously the sensible rational thing to do would be to move it to I think the Millennium Stadium would actually be a cracking venue for it it's a, it's a you know, slightly a more glamorous location and it mm. even feels like we're going we're going on a, an overseas trip all the way to Wales you know? <laughs> <laughs> going, not, going not across the Y <laughs> you could have it in home turf yes yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, I like a bit. No, it, it, of of all the um, of all the emotions I've had churning this week, and all my excitement, and all my look forward. Actually, can I can I introduce a personal note into this conversation mm. now? Um, I think it was the day before the first leg against PSG. Uh, my wife Claire just came into the room and casually mentioned that oh, um, the the little cottage in the Lake District that uh, we've stayed in for a week or so every year for the last 25 years can have us for a few days at half term and we can go and explore the mountains in Cumbria and get, right. get, out, and get out of the city and say, like, yes, finally I've been waiting to, to get out and go to this lovely place for over a year and then I checked the dates and of course the <laughs> half term weekend is the weekend of 28th, 29th um, of What's May. That? But just so happens um, that uh, the last time I got up to the, the exact same corner of Cumbria was in August of last year when we had a little brief window in COVID restrictions and it was the weekend of the Champions League final. And there's the pub where Claire and I got married uh, the, oh. the year before that yeah. is the only pub in the valley that's got a, a telly that shows sport. Um, so there's this, this pub called the Woolpack in Eskdale in Cumbria that's very close to our hearts. Um, I've already watched one Champions League final, and that's where I will be for the uh, Champions Whoa, League final with fantastic. City in it. Which actually, once it, once all the um, anxiety had settled down, really, it's actually pretty special for me. So I'm quite looking forward to that. So, so that's me. Um, and yeah, to, to, to finish off the point I started making a minute ago, um, of all the emotions that have been churning through me this week about City going to... Uh, playing a Champions League final, um, worrying about whether or not we relocate the venue is, is fairly low down my list of concerns. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's spawn. No, yeah, I'm, I've, I've, I, I saw that uh, the video, of course, of of Steve Steam Company about him talking about watching it with with his dad, and that's going to be the best part about it. And 
Yeah. That is it. I mean, I'm going to go and watch it with my granddad. And the last time I went to the game with my granddad, you know, who would have thought we'd gone to that West Ham game and that's the last time we'd, we'd ever have gone to a game together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that for me is going to be, it's going to be such a, a mega day, not even just the night. I mean, just going and spending the day with him and, and watching such a special game when, you know, he's had it. I mean, he's had it a hundred times harder than me being a City fan. Um, so that is, it's going to be a very emotional day for a lot of people and, and you know, myself included. Yeah, I've got three different options right now, and so I'm not settled on on any. One is to actually go up to Manchester to the pub where we watched the, the QPR game. Um, mm. There's about 200 Blues in there, and um, yeah, so I, I just I want it to be special, um, and it has to be special because it is special. So um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with all I said as regards to kind of watching it with relatives um, or watching it in a pub that is meaningful to you as well. Um, yeah, because we may never have this again. At least if we do have it again, it's never going to be quite the same again, is it? Because this is our first time. Um, okay, well, let's just kind of wrap things up with a quick look at the bottom of the league. Um, I've kind of put a question in here about kind of Bournemouth and the playoffs and everything, but let's just concentrate on one of my favourite topics, if that's okay. Um, Mr. Big Sam Allardyce. Starting on a positive then, are we? <laughs> um West Brom could very easily drop this weekend if they lose. Uh, your thoughts on the baggies, Ali? I, I kind of, <laughs> I, I kind of go from one extreme to the other with, with West Brom. On the one hand, I love the fact that they're kind of, you know, this kind of yo-yo club, and and you know, because it's it's less more interesting than someone who's just kind of mid-table in the championship for twenty years. But on the other side, it really pisses me off as well to see them kind of come up all the time and go down. It's like make your mind up. And give up, <laughs> give up a team to chance. It's, it's funny you say that because uh, before I moved to Manchester and became a City fan, uh, my my kind of uh, impression of Manchester City from afar was that they were exactly that. They were yeah. one of these yo-yo clubs that were forever getting relegated. We were, again, guess, yeah, yeah. Relegated again. Uh, so I kind of feel a bit of affinity for West Brom over that. Um, sure. And in terms of you know how they've done... Um, I think there are two factors. One is most people were surprised when they went up last year in the first place. They actually overachieved to get themselves out of the championship yeah. into the Premier League in the first place. Um, and they you kind of should get credit for, for what they achieved then. Um, but also, um, just coincidentally, I happened upon uh, the, uh, what's the, that, that website, Transfer Market, mm. um, where they show you the, the complete team values of every team in the Premier League. Um, the the complete total value of the West Brom squad, according to transfer market, is sixty nine million quid. Um, wow. To put that in perspective, uh, Sheffield United is a hundred million, who are second bottom, and then uh, Burnley, I think, were third bottom with about one hundred ten million. Um, now, so you know, they're basically wow. their squad value is only two thirds of the next lowest in the league. <laughs> And of course, how much was City's bench the other day? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So, you know, when when you bear that in mind, um, they've actually done pretty well to even get close to having a a stab at staying up. Um, And the the kind of the the Big Sam uh, subplot has been quite entertaining. Um, I'm, uh, (laughs) I guess, quite glad to be able to wave goodbye to the canard about Big Sam never having been relegated yes. to anyone. That's my favourite part <laughs> that, about that it. one settled, yep. Yeah. Um, 
And I, there's also, I know he's, a, he's, he's someone you've got a, a kind of emotional engagement with his career over there, Steve. Uh, but I, he's a bit like, not quite as dramatically as Mourinho, but it feels a bit like the Premier League won't quite be the same without him. Um, I would say the same about Sean Dyche. It might be better, <laughs> but it definitely won't be the same. Uh, so yeah, um, I know. I, I think we're we're skipping over the other item that you had in the agenda for today. Um, but we were going to mention the fact that the three clubs that are all coming up are the clubs that have just yeah. gone back down. Yeah. I would be surprised if West Ham continue that new tradition next year. Um, I think we might have seen goodbye to them for a little while now. That's kind of, well, you know, I've got nothing against the fans <laughs> or the club, but kind of in, as regards to an interest, you know, having an interest, and let's hope so because um, I'm, I'm really bored. I've seen the same clubs coming up yeah. and down, and yeah. you know, Watford each season, and um, yeah. So, so, how do you feel about that, Ali, uh, Harry? Sorry, because um, yeah, should Bournemouth win the playoffs? Then all three clubs who went down last year come back up, I and mean, that's yeah. from, a, from a neutral's perspective, that's boring, isn't it? Yeah, there's still a massive gap um, between the Premier League and the Championship and I'm hoping that one of the positives that might come from this Super League is that more money is feeded down the system for these for these sort of clubs. Um, I mean, from in my honest opinion, the parachute payments are horrifically high. Yeah. Um, I mean, the last time West Brom went down was 2018. Um, they were bottom of the table. They were rubbish that season. They received 95 million quid for going down. Um, and, and I mean that's ridiculous yeah. compared to, uh, that's why that's why they, they bounce straight back up because they could have that money um, teams like Wolves in the championship when they were backed by these these billionaires and they were paying João Moutinho and Ruben Neves in the championship like what yeah um, and you know I think there's, 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 there's certain clubs that are like this and I know Gary Neville's done a lot of good in the last couple of weeks but his club is exactly the same. Same with Salford. They pay wages in what are they in? Are they in League Two at the moment? I'm right. Yeah, saying it's, they pay astronomically high yeah. wages for, for their players, and there's no. I just think there's no surprise that these clubs are, are coming up and down um, because the the payments they get from the league is is just so unfair for the teams who have either just missed out or I mean the, the teams that lose in the playoff final virtually get nothing. Yeah, well, I mean, it used to be the other way, didn't it? That's the thing. It's kind of like. It's gone from one extreme to the other. So clubs would go down and would be in dire straits because, you know, their players were on Premier League wages um, and they couldn't get them off the books. But yeah. so it's like, okay, let's improve the, pay- the parachute payments. But now it's gone too far the other way. Well, I think City, if City win the Champions League final, they get 150 million in bonuses hmm. um, from the Champions League. And the team who finished 20th in the Premier League get 95 million. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And if. if Everyone was rewarded for such failure in life across the board, then I'd be a millionaire. So it's not not fair. (laughs) Right, guys, it's time to um, wrap it up. Thank you very much, Ali. Absolute pleasure, as always. Cheers, Harry. Appreciate that, mate. Yeah, cheers, man. And thanks to all the listeners for listening in. Uh, We're all off to buy some champagne because we may not be in the ground tomorrow and it may not feel like this. It may feel that this title has been sewn up for ages, but by half past seven tomorrow evening, Manchester City could be Premier League champions. Yes, life is getting sweeter than that. Well, maybe not until May the 29th at least. (laughs) Take care, everyone. Be well and forever up the blues.